Thank you again for tuning in to No Bullshit, Stories with Zadie. I'm Jenny, I'm his granddaughter, and today we're going to hear a little bit about Zadie's career at WNAC in Boston, Massachusetts, his meeting with the actor Chuck Connors on the show The Rifleman, and going to Hollywood to act in the show. Uh, Chuck comes out and visits Zadie's house in Framingham, Massachusetts, and then they go to a dinner. And you're going to hear about some of the conversations they have together. It's pretty entertaining. I hope everyone else enjoys this episode. Hello again. Uh, This is your old friend, getting older by the minute. I'd like to talk to you today about a few things that you may not have heard about or know about and... uh, I think they're a little interesting. You know, we go by buildings sometimes, and we say to ourselves, what is that building there for? What are they doing inside that building? And that's what happened to me one day when I was going to work at the Hotel Buckminster. It's located at Kenmore Square. Those of you who live in New England, And uh, it's between Commonwealth Avenue and Brookline Avenue. And it's a magnificent building. It's probably 60, 70 feet high. It uh, is uh, in the basement on the entire first floor of the building. And that building had everybody in there at one time. They had prostitutes, they had babies born in there, they had uh, people died in there, people shot themselves in there. Everything happened at the Hotel Buckminster. And as a matter of fact, one of the days at the Buckminster at WNAC-TV and radio, we had a, uh, a fire door that was adjoined to the rest of the hotel. And uh, out of that ho- out of that door, one day, I bumped into guess who coming through that door? Walter Pigeon. Walter Pigeon, the actor. Walter Pigeon. I said, "Oh, do you come here for an interview?" He said, "No, no, 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 no. I just came here to visit an old friend at the hotel, who I knew who it was that he was going to. It was a prostitute." <laughs> And Walter Pigeon wanted to get out of the my building uh, where WNAC TV was as quickly as he could, so uh, he did. But all kinds of things happened at that building. Uh, one of the things I can remember that's kind of humorous downstairs in the building: a guy was leaning up against the building, smoking a cigarette doing nothing, just standing there. When the uh, owner of the uh, network, the WB Yankee Network, which was also housed there, came by, and he was a very specific kind of a guy. He wanted things to be done properly. And he couldn't stand this guy smoking a cigarette, leaning up against the building. He says, hey, you there. This, this the owner had uh, several things he owned, including the network, the station, 
and a series of stores in Connecticut and Rhode Island, and he also uh, dabbled in the radio and TV business. So he said to the guy, you, you gay with a cigarette. He says, take that out of your mouth. He says, you're supposed to be working. How much money do you make a day? And the guy said, uh, well, 15 bucks. He says, all right, here, here's your 15 bucks. Now get out of here. You're fired. And we're all chuckling at that. And why are we chuckling? Because the guy was a telephone guy who came by to work on the phones. So he got uh, he got fired, and he got fired in a nice way with 15 bucks in his pocket. But that's what happened. Anyway, there are other things that happened there. One day I'm on the air and uh, on the Yankee Network for news. And uh, on Saturday, when, when it was kind of a loose day, and uh, I was raising uh, standard shepherd dogs at the time with my wife, Betty. And uh, on Saturday, I used to take Juliana, the mother of all the dogs, into the work. And while I had her in the studio with me, reading the Yankee Network news. And we'd always start the news with, news while it is news, the Yankee Network news service on the air. And then we'd read the news. So my dog is by my foot. And in comes a record spinner who had a commercial to put in the news while I took a break. And as soon as he opened the door, the dog started to bark on the air. And the dog wouldn't stop barking. Juliana, I said, keep quiet. Well, anyway, make a long story out of that one. We got letters from all over New England. They love to hear the dog on the news. Could you do it again, please? My dog loved it. So uh, that could happen. But one of the big things that happened was the day that Jimmy Durante came on my program. I used to do a record show, too, from 4 to 6 p.m. It was called Rhythm with Rodman, Crazy Rodman Stories. So I, I am on the uh, air, and they tell me that Jimmy Durante is coming in, and I can interview him. I said, okay. So I said to the boss, who at that time was a fellow named Perry Urie, a nice guy. I said, Perry, can I go into the music studio for the interview? Uh, there's a piano in there, and Jimmy will play the piano and sing a song maybe. He said, get out of here. He said, he won't. He, he won't do that. He says he's too busy. He was playing at Blindstrom's nightclub. Uh, that week, then he he doesn't do that on the air. I said, he will do it. He'll do it for me. And uh, Perry said, I bet you five bucks he'll never sing on the air on that studio. I said, okay, you're on. Well, anyway, finally, Jimmy came into the studio after walking down Kenmore Square, and at that time, he thought it was great to give out cartons of cigarettes to the veterans. And he, as he came down the street, he used to toss the uh, packages of cigarettes to everybody who wanted one. 
he finally came in the studio, into the music studio with the piano, and we started to talk. I said, Jimmy, would you mind uh, going over to the piano and giving us a little tune? He said, uh, <laughs> he says, you know, I'm too tired. I, I can't, I can't do that. I said, Jim, I said, I told all the guys at the Soldiers Field Home that you would come in and sing a song for them. I said, these guys are wounded and, you know, they'd appreciate it. So he said, for the guys, I'll do it. So he goes over to the piano and he does about 10 minutes of his favorite songs, including Inka Dinka Doo. <laughs> So I thanked him afterwards and uh, looked for Perry for my five bucks. And I said, Perry, you were wrong. He says, here's your money. And he gave me the five bucks. Anyway, uh, Jimmy was wonderful. He was a wonderful, warm-hearted person. And uh, our acquaintance was slight, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed him so much. Well, from there... I'm on the air one day on a, my record show. I was a triple threat with news, interviews, uh, and what have you, and TV. And I'm on the air with my record show, and uh, Perry comes back in and says, Hey, kid, you're going to Hollywood. I said, What? He says, Yeah. He said, uh, Chuck Connors sent a telegram that they want the most guy with the biggest ratings on the TV got to come and uh, boost our ratings uh, for the uh, fourth season. This was the fourth season of The Rifleman. So Chuck was a smart guy. As far as ratings are concerned, he felt that if he took the local guy in the market and uh, put him on TV, with a promotion that he would get high ratings in that city, which is a key city uh, forever. So that's what he did. He figured it out. And he got, he got me in Boston. He got another guy in San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia. And about five of us uh, went uh, before we even knew each other. And we met on the set. Uh, of Hollywood, in Hollywood. So uh, my mom came with me, and uh, my uh, oldest daughter, uh, Joy, uh, came with me. And uh, we were going to uh, go to Hollywood, and we did. And we landed on the set, and my daughter, Joy, was making friends with Johnny uh, on The Rifleman the kid who played the son of the rifleman, and she stuck up quite an acquaintance with him. And um, then it came time for the shoot, but before the shoot, they had to get me dressed up as a cowboy. So that was on a, on a Wednesday, and we were shooting on Thursday. So I got outfitted uh, at this big warehouse with, all kinds of clothes from different eras, including the Civil War and Spartacus and everybody else. So they fit me out, and 
They said, here's a shirt you'll like. Jeff Chandler wore this shirt, and you're about his size at that time. And I said, okay. So, hey, here I am, kid from Boston wearing Jeff Chandler's shirt, going into the movies. What more could you ask for? So we get to the set, and before the shoot, oh, I had my, uh, I did have a script, which was only for about, uh, oh, maybe four or five sentences, but it was about uh, almost a two-minute bit. But that was okay. I was going to go national. So I, I got my lines down. I'm in uh, Met Chuck and uh, Joe, his sidekick on the show. And um, he said, now, how many of you guys can ride a horse? I said, I can. And I did. I, I rode a horse. I uh, my dad used to take me to Saratoga Springs, New York, in a farm, and I used to ride horses on the farm. So I said, I can ride a horse. So he said, okay, Dave. He said, here's the scenario, and you come around holding another horse on the back. So there are two horses. You're driving one, riding one, and holding another one behind you, and you come riding in a town, and then there's a conversation. So I said, okay, <laughs> I got another horse, and I, I, I did the scene, and it was one take, and they said, hey, kid, you're pretty good. I said, thanks. I, uh, I, I thought they were ready to sign my contract then. Anyway, uh, we thanked each other, and uh, he said how, much, how, how well I did, and I hope to see you sometime in Boston. I said, okay. So Mum and I and Joy come back home. And um, while we're home, about a week later, my, a friend calls me who was the owner of a place called uh, I, uh, Pleasure Island. I don't know if you remember that. It was out in Wakefield somewhere. So um, it was a place for... Uh, a kid's amusement, and they had all kinds of animals. And they had different shows and different stars on Hollywood come in and do their bit. So he says, you know, you met Chuck. Can you call him and ask him if he'll come to uh, Wakefield at Pleasure Island? I said, sure. I had, I had Chuck. Uh, Chuck gave me his number. So I called him. I said, uh, hey, Chuck, you want to come to Boston? You're through shooting for the season? Uh, he said, yeah. He said, uh, 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 let me give you my price. This is 10 grand cash. <laughs> I said, all right, let me uh, ask him. And I went back to my friend and I said, yeah, Chuck will come for 10 grand cash, first class. You pay for first class well, as well. He says, okay, we set the date for Chuck to come to Pleasure Island. I said, Chuck, before you get here, Betty, my wife, wants to make roast dinner for you, for you and Joe. His sidekick wanted to come with him. So uh, he says, okay, I'll come on one condition. He says, I don't want any kids hanging around the house. So don't tell anybody that I'm having. Roast beef dinner at the Rodman's. 
I said, okay, I'll, don't, don't worry, nobody will know. So I went to the kids, I went to Joy and Brandy and Teddy and uh, I don't think Teddy was born yet, no. And we said, uh, Randy was in the crib, that's right, I remember. And I said, uh, now listen, don't tell the kids that Chuck Connors is coming. He doesn't want to get involved with kids. Okay. Anyway, the day comes for Chuck to come with Joe, and they get a <laughs> excuse me, they get a cab. They were staying at the Hotel Somerset. So they get into the cab, and they drive to Framingham, where our little house was. And Betty's cooking like mad in the kitchen. Chuck, the rifleman, is coming to the Rodmans. So they get there, and uh, Chuck comes in the door. He said, uh, wait, where the hell are all the kids? I said, what do you mean? I said, you told me you don't want to have any kids here. Didn't tell anybody that the kids were coming. Oh, by crying out loud. He says, you got a baseball bat here and a ball? I said, yeah. So he and Joe go outside with a baseball bat onto the lawn, and they start throwing and hitting the ball. Kids are riding by in bicycles. Hey, that's the rifleman at the Rodman. Oh, my God. And it goes through the neighborhood. All the houses were connected. Our lawn is filled with kids. The rifleman is here, and he's talking to them, playing ball with him. And that was it. Then we cut it out, and we had to eat. We had a wonderful dinner that Betty made. And then uh, we sat down. We had a few drinks. And <clears throat> they had quite a few drinks to the point of going to sleep after dinner, which was a good break because they work hard in Hollywood. And, you know, it's no fun being a, an actor where you're up all kinds of hours doing all kinds of things. So they had a little nap, and uh, we thanked them for coming. And they went to the hotel, and I said, I'll see you tomorrow at the hotel, and then we can go to... Uh, the island and meet the uh, your uh, kids there. So that's what happened. And he did uh, Saturday performance and Sunday performance at the island. And of course, I was with him and got introduced to all the kids that were there. And it was a successful event. He took his 10 grand, put it in his pocket. And Sunday afternoon, he says, uh, come on. I'm going to take you to dinner. So he said, okay. So we go to one of Boston's finest steakhouses, he, Joe, myself. And we're sitting down, and we're having this beautiful steak. And he's got his fork in the steak, ready to go up to his mouth. And a woman comes by and says, you're Chuck Connors. He said, yeah, yeah, yes, I am, yes. She said, would you mind signing this for my grandson? And he looks at her in disgust and says, yeah, would you mind holding my steak on this fork for me? So she does, and he signs it, and she goes away. And I say, hey, Chuck, come on. 
what are you doing? Or I said, she's a fan. She wanted to get your autograph for her grandson. I said, you know, this is your public. He says, not when I'm eating. He says, I want to be left alone. I'll eat. I'll sign when I'm through eating. Don't bother me while I'm eating. Please. So I said, okay. So the, uh, they stayed an extra day at the hotel just to relax a little bit. And I came down and I said, hey, Chuck, I got to tell you, I like you as a person. But I got to tell you one thing, you know, your attitude towards people uh, that you don't know, and I think you're kind of rough on them as far as the autographs are concerned. He said, hey, Dave, let me tell you a story. I said, what's that? He says, how would you like it if you got to go to the bathroom and you go in and you sit down to go, and all of a sudden, the pot next to you underneath is a hand with toilet paper on it and a, uh, oh, leave it ring, leave it ring, with toilet, toilet paper on it with a pencil. He said, Chuck, I know you're in there. Would you please sign this? And he said, how would you, how would you like to have that when you're going on the pot? I said, no, nah, that's tough. He says, that's tough. He says, wait till you hear this one. He says, I'm on the set in Hollywood. The phone rings, emergency phone call for Chuck Connors, who, by the way, was a basketball player for the Celtics and a baseball player for the Red Sox. A good athlete. So I say, uh, okay, um, oh, wait till, I, wait till I tell you this one. He said, get an emergency phone call while I'm on set. Uh, so I get to the phone, and I hear, is this Chuck Connors? A woman's voice. Yes, this is Mrs. So-and-so in Kansas City. I'm at the funeral pile of my son, Johnny, and he's in the casket right now. And uh, if you could say a couple of words to him and just say, Hi, Johnny. I said, what? He said, what? He says, yes, Johnny died, and uh, he loved your show. So let me put the earpiece in the casket while you say hello to Johnny. He says, okay. Uh, Hi, Johnny. This is Chuck Connors, and I'm sorry to what happened to you and... uh, uh, I just want to remember you, and I wish you well. Goodbye, Johnny. She says, oh, thank you so much. So then he said to me, what do you think of that for signing autographs? I said, oh, boy. I said, that's a tough one. I said, I'm sorry that uh, that happened to you that way. But anyway, Chuck... Uh, he was a good friend. Uh, we uh, communicated a couple of times. and uh, He had three sons. He was divorced. And he was a tough guy. And I'll always remember him. And unfortunately, he passed away. But uh, 
that was quite an experience being with a guy who I can call my friend Chuck Congress. <laughs>